0: So welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan. And listeners to the show might remember that earlier this year we had an episode, and then shortly after that episode hosted an online event called the Telegeography Deep Dive, um, where we looked at different ways of navigating what we're calling the middle mile. Uh, Like many telecom terms uh, that I've run into over the years, this is one that you often have to follow up with, uh, what exactly do you mean by that? Uh, So in in our uh, middle mile research product, um, we have some some visuals that are worth looking at that kind of help set up what we mean by the middle mile, Um, but we we define it pretty clearly as as kind of three segments um, all together with the middle mile, of course, being the segment in the middle, but uh, we have the last mile which, of course, is your local access connecting your office branch location to the nearest co-location facility. Um, And and the traffic there may cascade through local aggregation points along the way. Then you have the middle mile, what we're going to be talking about today. And that's um, your switching and transport that shepherds the traffic between the local access colo and the cloud service provider network. And then the first mile, uh, and that's the cloud provider or whatever other destination uh, network you might be going to. And when the traffic gets there, it is now on net with the application host. And of course, across all of this, uh, the internet is traversing on layers one, two, and three. Here on this podcast and at Telegeography in general, we're almost always talking about uh, layers one through three, but sometimes even some of the things we talk about today creep up further up the stack a little bit. And uh, and so uh, that's where things get really interesting. So you're not just going to be hearing from me about this. You've already heard from me and my colleague Eric about this. We have an excellent guest today with us, uh, Kieran Roche, who is the co-founder and CTO of Coevolve. Kieran, well, welcome very much to the show.
1: Greg, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me and big fan of this podcast. So, really appreciate the invite and looking forward to talking about it. Excellent.
0: Well, that's great to hear. It's always great to have fans on the show, right? So, and I should mention that uh, Kieran joined us for that uh, deep dive event that I mentioned, it was on a panel there. So, if you go back, if you're a WAN Forum member, you can go in and look at um, at that actual whole panel and sort of um, get Kieran's take there. But, uh, you know, I thought it would be useful to get a full sort of, you know, fleshed out download of, of what you're seeing on this topic today. So that's why I'm happy to have you on the show. All right. Sounds good. Um, you know, so for, for those who may not have uh, run across you at a WAN Summit or, or been on, on one of those events, I wonder if you could just start, Karen with, with an introduction of, of yourself, your background and, and how you came to uh, startup coevolve and what you're doing there.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So uh, I've been in the enterprise networking space for, Quite a long time, around twenty years, and have seen it really change quite dramatically over that. Oh yeah, year. absolutely.
0: No, frame relay and ATM. Seen it <laughs>
1: too.
0: I just heard AT and is yeah. turning down all of their uh, you know T carrier uh, and and uh, Sonnet uh, circuits. So that's that's a milestone. It's been right? been uh, a long time coming, yeah.
1: right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean the the whole time in that space. Um, played a big, uh, uh, high level of focus on internet-based networking. And that's been kind of a common theme of most of the different areas I've worked in over the years. i so worked in uh, virtual network operators, does some, did some consulting work for clients as well. And then seven years ago this month, actually, we started Coevolve. And the goal right from the beginning of Coevolve was that we could see a lot of change happening in the mm-hmm. enterprise networking mm-hmm. space, which was notable in itself. That was a pretty steady, stable space for quite some time. And we saw there was an opportunity at the time to build a business that could sit in the middle. So we knew the legacy stuff, we knew the enterprise networks and how they were built and their challenges and all the the baggage that came along with that. But we also understood the emerging technologies and that grew into SD-WAN and cloud networking and so on from there. And we've built a business now where across 80 plus countries, we're helping clients uh, implement and then manage these technologies in their environments. So we're taking clients away from some of the legacy environments and helping to adopt these more modern technologies and deliver, whether it's performance improvements or uh, cost savings or whatever the other benefits might be. So that's very much the the role we have as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm our CTO, so I'm very much looking at the the next set of products coming down the line of what could be relevant for enterprises and so on. So this is a, a really relevant topic for really all of our clients and it's something we're right in the middle of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that intro. And it strikes me that, uh, that your uh, duration at CoEvolve, there kind of coincides with with the WAN summit too, which again ended up being a sort of uh, we, we found we founded the WAN summit uh, in late 2013, basically, and you know uh, th- there's been so much development in the WAN over over that period that um, that was is very uh, forward looking of you to to jump on that train at that time. So yeah,
1: we we were a little bit early. We were out there in the early days of CoEvolve talking about some of these technologies and getting sort of. Blank looks from the clients, right. thinking, "Okay, this sounds like it could be interesting, but we're not quite ready for it yet." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it took a while to get there, but yeah, it definitely did.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's kind of how we're we're seeing the middle mile stuff, where it's. Um, you know, everyone has been on the SD WAN train for a few years now, and and this is just emerging as like you know, once I'm out in that uh, you know local internet breakouts and much more reliance on internet, this is all of a sudden something that I that I need to think about. That that was my carrier's problem perhaps uh, uh, earlier. All right, so so to really get things kicked off, I think it might be useful if if you go through kind of how you guys are defining or thinking of the middle mile uh, as as it comes uh, up as an issue. Uh, for your client. Um, uh, You heard my kind of definition at the top. Uh, Do you you largely agree with that framework? Do you have anything to sort of flesh that out more?
1: I think I'd agree with it for the most Mm -hmm. part. And I think what's interesting about this whole topic is the relevance and just how excited they get about this on the client side really depends a lot on the geographical distribution Mm -hmm. of their network. Mm -hmm. So if the client is in one region or one country, the middle is often not a very significant part of that network. The the first and last miles are almost directly connected in many Mm -hmm. cases. So it can still be relevant for them, but it's often a bit more of a struggle to get them interested and to really focus on this. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got clients that are very highly globally distributed. They've got workloads sitting in North America that are being accessed by users in Europe or Asia-Pac, for example. All of a sudden, that middle mile becomes a really significant portion of their traffic flows. And Therefore, they tend to be the types of enterprises that really have a laser focus on this Mm -hmm. and probably are also more open to more creative or more innovative ways of tackling that to find better cost-effective ways or better performance of of delivering the outcomes they want. So we see that variance depending on the type of enterprise. The other piece of the middle mile that I think is really important to a lot of our clients is this whole concept of like an internal or a private middle mile. Mm. So Access to cloud is sort of dominating the conversations across mm-hmm. the board. And we see that across all of our clients today. But there are so many clients out there that we speak with that have that one legacy ERP system mm-hmm. that runs on an AS400 mm-hmm. or a mainframe mm-hmm. or something that they just can't get rid of. Right. That it's stuck there. It's in one place. You can't distribute it. So it's often then the application that needs to be accessed by the whole company, where no matter where they happen to reside. And it's probably so old that it's not really designed to be very right, WAN-friendly right. either. So it has the least tolerance mm-hmm. for latency and jitter and packet loss and so on. And that becomes an interesting challenge mm-hmm. then. The middle mile between these users who are all over the place and a legacy application like that, that becomes a really right. important piece of the network for a lot of these clients. And it's often the bit that was the most expensive historically, making right. sure they had good, reliable connectivity back to that. But yeah. Other than that, I think mm-hmm. it's very much about that cloud right. environment and getting great quality access and cost-effective access to the cloud. It's a really, you know, very much what we see with our clients. Yeah.
0: Well, if you take that that framework and that caveat that you raise, you could just put the first mile this time on on the corporate premises where they have a legacy data center or whatever the case may be. So, it's, yeah, That's, absolutely. Yep. You know, so um, I I talked about this on on the show I did with my colleague Eric about this, but but both of us first encountered the term middle mile as a telecom uh, issue in in the 2009 uh, broadband report, if you remember that, uh, in the U.S. Um, And it truthfully hadn't really been on my radar as something to think about much since then. Now it's, it's, it's uh, not just a buzzword, it's a real issue. You brought up geography, which, of course, we're always happy to point out. Those of you watching this, I have a, one of our, our submarine cable maps behind me. And that like, just like you mentioned, folks who are, are in particular regions of the world might even have to pay attention to sort of that kind of level of routing, right? Um, but, but why do you think that, uh, that this middle mile performance has come to the forefront of, of the minds of so many uh, enterprise WAN managers these days?
1: So I think the, the transition towards cloud is a big part of it. So the, the whole topology of the enterprise networks has started to change because mm-hmm. of that. And if you went back even five years ago, you would look at an, an enterprise network topology diagram. You'd have the one in the middle, and then you'd have some spokes out to the side to connect to the, the cloud right. workloads that they'd started to deploy. Now it's sort of flipped on its mm-hmm. head. The cloud is in the middle. The cloud dominates the, the traffic flows. And the enterprise now is often dependent on the cloud provider or multiple cloud providers for the connectivity as well. So that's opening up the possibility of just different ways that didn't exist before to get from point A to point B. The other piece is that if you go back a couple of generations of enterprise networks, it wasn't something that was necessarily separate from the rest of the network. It was sort of an integrated end to end solution that you'd go to a telco Mm -hmm. and you'd buy. You wouldn't buy the first middle and last mile, you buy a network, and that just rode across their backbone. And you didn't necessarily have the opportunity to break that apart and choose, I'm gonna buy this piece from vendor A, this piece from vendor B. You just had it kind of all lumped into one. And I think what's happened, and SD-WAN is a big part of the driver for this, the SD-WAN trend has really created this ability to fragment and break apart the edge of the network. So people are sourcing the edge connectivity the last mile connectivity from a multitude of different Mm -hmm. vendors. Now, our clients use around 400 different ISPs and telcos around the world. So we've Mm -hmm. really seen it on a large scale there. And so that's being very fragmented. They're automatically breaking the tie there between the edge and the the core, the backbone, by not buying the edge from a a global telco, or they're buying it from whoever the local provider Mm -hmm. is. And now that opens up the possibility to find better options for the, the piece in the middle. So I think that's a big part of it. The other piece, and we'll talk about this as we go through it, is that some of the the new entrants into the market have just so radically changed the the cost model for this that Mm. it's really causing a lot of enterprises to kind of take a much closer look at it Mm -hmm. because of that. And we've seen that happen. We've done uh, cost modeling exercises with clients where they wanted to replace a global MPLS backbone with some of the, the modern alternatives on the market. And they're looking at the, the cost sheets thinking there's a mistake or yeah, there's a couple of zeros right. missing, something like that, yeah. because the cost structure is just fundamentally different there. So that in itself is driving a level of interest and awareness in this space as well.
0: I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not paying you to say that because this is another topic near and dear to my heart. Anybody who follows me in general knows that I, I love putting out those charts of, you know, lining up your your all MPLS, you know, global network next to the, the you know, sort of... Um, uh, Internet-enabled, maybe even some some optical backbone between data centers. Whatever, whatever kind of scenario you can come up with, you can get uh, uh, many x the bandwidth for for a fraction of the cost. In in some cases, caveats always, but it's it's great to hear you say that that you're seeing that sort of happening with with your real clients on the ground. I'm always kind of doing this from a from a pulled back academic uh, standpoint in a certain sense.
1: Right, no, it's true, and it depends a lot on the just the the willingness of the client to go down that mm-hmm. path and what their network looks like. And it works really well for clients that are already using things like uh, carrier neutral colos right. or other easy integration points in the network, because so much of the cost, regardless of the technology, is still tied up in access. Mm-hmm. So if you can take access out of the equation, the actual on net portion of this can become extremely cost effective. Right. But your network has to be residing in the points where you can take away the access component <laughs> for that to really make sense. Absolutely, that is the that is absolutely the key.
0: Great. All right. So let's let's talk about sort of the the different approaches to the middle mile because having so you know you gave us a, a great sort of a framework or way of thinking about what what the issue are. Uh, issue is there. there there's really a, a variety of vendors um, taking very different approaches uh, uh to solve um, some of these these problems and it and it really ranges from you know sort of well-established telecom or equipment kind of uh, companies all the way to startups not not unlike the sd-wan world several years ago right so yep. um, uh, so uh, maybe one of the more obvious ways of, of dealing with this in, in my opinion would be to you know mainly by uh, DIA, say, from, from a tier one backbone provider, and then then your middle mile is all on their network and it's kind of uh, taken care of. So even the sort of traditional global telcos might have a, have a role. Um, how do you, like, especially with your clients, sort of um, uh, see that, that middle mile vendor landscape um, uh, opening up? What are, what are the different sort of categories that you've seen people be interested in and, and how do you think about them?
1: Right. and You're right. It's It's got a lot of similarities to the early days of SQ1 mm-hmm. where not just there's a lot of players in the space, but each of them are sort of molding the term to, to yes. mean what they want it to mean yes, as well exactly. and sort of taking yeah. it over. So in the absence of a sort of ironclad definition of it, they're all sort of saying, well, ours counts as mm-hmm. that and that that qualifies as that. So there's a lot of variance there and that results in almost uh, such a variance that it's actually difficult to make direct comparisons right. between some it, of these it, Precisely. So it's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's not like you're just looking at apples and apples, it's completely different. Uh, different Maybe versions. even so, worse than sassy, I, so we, we can leave that out of this conversation, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly the same thing yeah. happening there, definitely, and it's happening, yeah, it's going to keep happening, I think, as these new technologies start to gain momentum and people just latch onto it to mm-hmm. try to maximize their version of it for as long right. as they can. But I think the if we look at the different different groupings that we see here definitely the the telcos do have a role to mm-hmm. play here and I think they're the ones that have potentially the most to lose from the trends that we're seeing right. around middle mile here so you definitely can go to a tier 1 provider you can buy DIA from them you'll have traffic then that resides on their backbone all the way from the the last mile back to that first mile you can have great high quality interconnects using uh, express route or direct connect back into the cloud providers and so on the big downside for the enterprise is that tends to be the high cost option yeah. and it's it's often the one that comes with the long contract terms mm-hmm. you're sort of locking in a design and an architecture for 3 years maybe to get a reasonable or a slightly more reasonable price, but who knows what the business is going to need. Over that's that a that's of a great time. point because so,
0: that's one of the key selling it. points to this whole SD WAN uh, re re-engineered network is is that it can be a lot more just in time than putting in a ticket with your your provider or. Worse, absorbing the WAN of of another company that uh, you know powers way beyond the IT group have have absorbed, and and then all of a sudden having to, yeah. to sort of mesh uh, totally different contract sets that all becomes a lot easier if you're doing a much more piecemeal sourcing, right? So.
1: It it absolutely does, and it's also the model that I think a lot of enterprises are getting used to in other aspects of mm-hmm. IT. They're buying applications now through subscriptions with SaaS, where they can you know shift those up and down as they need they're buying cloud infrastructure on a on-demand basis. So the network is sort of the last piece that is sort of being dragged into this mode of a more agile, more you know, scalable up, scalable down type model. So I think there's a lot of appetite for it. And the traditional telcos, are I think, are taking quite a long time to really come around to that model mm-hmm. that things can come and go, that is not necessarily going to be locked in at a certain bandwidth for a long period of time. So there's there's a, an appetite on the enterprise side, I think, to look at alternatives to that, and the alternatives are, I think, falling into a couple of different uh, camps in themselves. Mm-hmm. You've got the the more packaged offerings, so you've got offerings that are more delivered as a like a network as a service, where it's a turnkey solution right. where you've got either they'll they'll provide appliances even at the edge to connect using IPsec or TLS or something like that into the nearest POP. It'll traverse a private backbone. That, provided by that same operator, and then they'll provide the connectivity at the other end into the cloud providers. And you sign up with a subscription that includes the bandwidth, it includes the access into the network. It gives the ability to take third-party devices to connect in. And that can be quite a useful sort of drop-in replacement for MPLS mm-hmm. in many mm-hmm. cases. So if you, if you just looked at the topology, you could sort of draw a line around the part that was MPLS previously, drop in that type of solution, and now you've got all the benefits of internet out at the edge and you know, low-cost broadband options and so on, and then combine that with a, a an end-to-end offering for that middle mile. Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely a place for that type of offering. And then the, the final group that we see is much more the do-it-yourself option. And these tend to have the lowest potential price point uh, in terms of the ability to really absolutely maximize the cost savings in the network, but they take a bit more work to to get there. And these are providers that are delivering uh, typically SDN type solutions where there's an API. You can can make API calls to provision virtual circuits across the globe Mm -hmm. between different pops and different uh, endpoints and so on. You can automatically bring up connections into cloud providers and so on. If you want to double the bandwidth because it's month end, you can do that for a few hours and then drop it back down again. And what they're essentially providing is just virtual circuits across a, a global background. Right. And you typically interface with these providers in co-locations or other facilities like that. And then they provide really just the middle mile piece. They don't get involved in much right. else beyond that. Almost like so SD-WAN they're, they're the other, for the middle mile in a, in a
0: certain sense, right? You know, yeah. Yeah.
1: It definitely is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's very much uh, similarities there. When you look at the orchestration techniques they're using, the sort of global uh, end-to-end visibility you can get of your topology and so on. Tons of similarities there, definitely. So th- they're the other sort of mainstream uh, offering that we see uh, out there in the in the market today. Outside of that, it's it's quite fragmented in terms mm-hmm. of the options. So we do see the cloud providers themselves playing a role right. here, and that's even potentially more of a a variable billing model and you know lots of uncertainty around that but we're seeing things like azure virtual one and aws transit gateway playing a role in these topologies where if the enterprise is already very far down the path of uh, building out infrastructure into the cloud then maybe the cloud provider themselves is the logical choice then to have uh, as the backbone between those different regions mm-hmm. so i think that could be an area of growth as well that we see and again it's still quite early days. So there's not a whole lot out there in terms of really mature delivery models there. That's one of the things we're actually tackling as evolve at the moment is how do you build sort of a consumption model for these services that feels comfortable to the enterprise, but is taking advantage of some of these new technologies that don't necessarily lend themselves well to that. And I think that's going to be one of the big challenges for managed service providers in the coming years is sort of blending that gap between what the products are capable of, and what the enterprises and their operational teams are really actually wanting to consume.
0: Right, absolutely. So you have a, a role to play in maybe sort of um, uh, forming how that market ends up, is sort of uh, getting presented to, to the enterprise, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's exactly, and I think there's going to be uh, a lot of interest in enterprises adopting that type of model because they can see the benefits, they can see the ability to get either way more bandwidth or significant cost savings or this agility to ramp up and down capacity when they need it. So the benefits are out there. And I think there's that interest really being driven by those use cases. But, yeah, you've got to really define a, a consumption model and an operating model that makes that more attainable for the enterprise as well.
0: Absolutely. So so on that note, and, and I think you kind of addressed some of these things. Um, so w- without, you know, getting too far back into just a repeat, but, you know, sometimes repeating is good for those who are absorbing all of this new information. Um, I wonder if you could talk about it. if you have an enterprise that comes to you how do, that, that is interested in solving this middle mile problem, right? They're far enough down that, that road away from maybe sort of traditional wins uh, t- to have this need. Um, how do you get them to start thinking through, you know, th- these various options? Do I want to just go with with a tier one DIA provider? Do I want to uh, use one of these um, sort of uh, SDN uh, tools um, or do I want to go with a, a fabric provider, network as a service kind of thing? You know, uh, what, what kinds of, of, of paths or directions do you, um, you know, work with them on, or what kinds of uh, uh, end user sort of um, uh, use cases do you uh, find that you can steer in these different directions?
1: So we typically start by asking a lot of questions, uh, yeah, of and course, yeah. that comes naturally. A lot of our team has that sort of consultative background, mm-hmm. and. We tend to want to really understand the problem and the use case before we try to solution it. So understanding where they are today is, is a critical mm-hmm. part of this. So what, what are they struggling with? Is it cost? Is it lack of bandwidth? Is it performance? Uh, there's a, a multitude of different problem statements that we'll often start with to understand in, in much more, greater detail so that we know what it is we're trying to solve for. And the the client that really is just looking to, to cut cost in the network. Very often those sort of package solutions, the network as a service option, they don't necessarily want to change topology completely. They just want to be able to save 20% mm. maybe, or 30% mm-hmm. on their bandwidth cost. And you can drop in that type of solution quite easily to address that. Um, it also depends very much on the client's uh, traffic flows and uh, what they're really trying to achieve in terms of a future state architecture. Mm-hmm. So where do the applications reside? Where are the users? What sort of performance expectations do they have right. for those applications? Uh, how does that, you know, how is it expected to vary over time? So understanding that as well can be an important factor. So we'll take all of those into account. We'll run often like mini workshop sessions with our clients to kind of brainstorm those uh, different, often conflicting uh, interests there. They want to save a bunch of money, but also really increase uh, performance and bandwidth. And you have to navigate that to find out really where they're the weightings of those priorities and so on. Mm-hmm. So we'll work through those options with the client. And then it's often about the the appetite for just taking that more creative or more sort of progressive approach in the network that we do see clients that are uh, very much bought into the SD-WAN concept at the Mm -hmm. edge. They know that they want to get completely away from being bound to a telco backbone and that type of architecture. Maybe they've already taken their last on-premises workloads and put them into a co-location facility, for example. They tend to be a good candidate for looking at some of these sdn type providers to just deliver very low cost uh just bare bandwidth between the different regions so they might have a whole set of workloads in the us and users that sit in europe and asia pacific we can provision between the colos in those regions you know several hundred meg connectivity often for just a few hundred dollars a month in some cases with these providers like the numbers can be quite staggering Mm -hmm. there so that's often the the best choice for a client that's already really divested from the carrier infrastructure at the edge. They've gone down a broadband path. They've gone down a multi-carrier mm-hmm. path. This is often the last piece in their network is just to retain that reliable connectivity between the regions. So it's really about that sort of navigating the, the, the understanding of the current state, understanding what they're trying to achieve in the future state, uh, weighing up that appetite for risk, and then we can help identify then the best options. But a big part of it is staying current on the, the options themselves, mm-hmm. knowing what's out there, knowing the price points and so on. So just you know, keeping track of that—it's a pretty fast-moving space, as you know well. Yeah. So even tackling that is a challenge in itself.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it sort of made me think. There's a an interesting thing that we're encountering now. Obviously, for for us, as opposed to a managed services provider, we're we're just providing information for people to then go and make decisions to. Sometimes alongside someone like you, right? Um, uh, yep. so we get a, a different picture into into that that whole process but we've encountered some uh, enterprises and I think this is always going to be Somewhat rare, but that are going to the step of, uh, I, I kind of mentioned this in, in passing earlier, but of building their own sort of telco like backbone so that they'll set up, uh, you know, maybe several what you might call uh, colo sites of their own or pops, yep. right? Um, and and buy optical wavelengths, maybe with an ethernet handoff or whatever, but just, you know, uh, con- intercontinental kind of optical wavelength. Is that, is that something that you have seen out there in the market or, or folks who are going to an MSP maybe wouldn't be that? much like a telco in their own internal it
1: like we've seen some of that definitely mm-hmm. and the ones that are doing it are often doing it because they've done the cost modeling and they can yeah, see the, that the benefits of going down that mm-hmm. path versus the traditional way so it, we do tend to uh and it's a bit of a self-selection process i guess by being the, being an msp and you know, proposing those types of services we often see clients that want some of the benefits of that but they don't necessarily want to do the build it and operate it themselves Mm -hmm. approach. So they want to get something that's a bit more managed, a bit more monitored, somebody who understands the end-to-end topology, and they're okay with it being made up of lots of different fragments, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because you're identifying the best of breed component across each end of the the traffic flow, but they don't want to have uh, an operational responsibility themselves for all of that. Mm -hmm. So we're often in the middle of building managed versions of Mm -hmm. those or or co-managed versions of those for clients because... They want the benefits, but they also want somebody to kind of you know, keep an eye on things day to day. Yeah, them.
0: that makes perfect sense. And, and I should say often the, the the kind of people that I have in mind are when you have maybe someone from a telco or, or the likes that has moved into the enterprise space on the IT infrastructure team. And so you bring that kind of background and experience, you know, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: All right. So let's let's get into, um, you know, one thing I think about a lot with the middle mile of, of sort of um even understanding the issue here is to have a clear idea of, of where the performance issues are, so so as the IT infrastructure manager, yes, you're, you're getting uh, a lot of feedback from your internal users about how well their applications are or are not working, right? I guess mostly are not, right? Um, uh, so so how much do you think monitoring as as a separate kind of WAN overlay service plays a role into um, uh, you know finding the right solution for the middle mile?
1: So, this is a topic that's I think getting just infinitely more complex for the <laughs> yes. enterprise than it used to be because yeah. you know we we've been in the space long enough to know that you know you look at a, an sLA for a network and you'd have maybe some sort of a matrix to show the pop to pop latency mm-hmm. you'd have fixed times for lease line circuits things like that and it it was a very predictable very stable way of doing things it wasn't necessarily a great outcome for the enterprise the credits were often right. impossible yeah. to get and you know there's all sorts of challenges like that but it was at the very least predictable. Mm-hmm. You knew what was being measured and you could compare different offerings. And what's happened now, and uh, we've had several conversations both with clients and you know, just even talking internally about this recently, that is really making us start to question the value of SLAs and assurance around these performance metrics in general, because the amount of data points that need to be tracked and monitored uh, are just growing you know, so quickly. But then the, the accountability is also way more dispersed than it used to be. So you don't have one owner of the end-to-end infrastructure anymore. You've got different uh, components yeah. of that with exactly. different areas of responsibility yeah. and and the internet being such a big part of mm-hmm. it. You know, If the internet represents 80% of the traffic flow, then who's responsible? So I think that's sort of looming in the background around all of these performance mm-hmm. questions. Um, Traditionally, uh, we would have said that the majority of performance issues are happening at the edge of the network, mm-hmm. at that last mm-hmm. mile. Typically, that was the most congested part of the network. There's a really interesting shift, though, that's happening there that we've seen. And it's being driven by the the big content providers, the YouTubes and Netflix and so on. Those edge networks are just vastly yeah, growing in capacity. Absolutely. And the, the over-provisioning that's happening there to meet the demand on the residential mm-hmm. side is having like a knock-on benefit for enterprises yeah. that are tapping into that infrastructure. So you're not necessarily dealing with the level of contention and oversubscription that you used to be because those networks, both because the access technology itself is getting better and can support far greater uh, upstream and downstream bandwidth than mm-hmm. before, but also the backend provisioning itself is getting just far more thicker than it had been previously. So we're seeing fewer problems there uh, in most mainstream developed markets. It's still a challenge if you go out into rural markets Mm -hmm. and you've got an ADSL piece of infrastructure with a single DSLAM and a single piece of SDH infrastructure behind that connecting into the the backbone network. There's a lot of that out there still, but that's really starting to Mm -hmm. diminish. And so I think the problem's when they do happen, are often still at that edge, but it's in more isolated circumstances, perhaps than it was before. Mm-hmm. The the middle mile itself tends to be very predictable and very stable. Right. Um, the challenge is, if it's an internet-based middle mile, is knowing who's accountable when something actually goes wrong right, and getting exactly. somebody mm-hmm. to, to take the ticket and own it and work it through to resolution. because. Still, a lot of this depends on peering between providers mm-hmm. and a level of trust there and just sort of an assumption that things will work well. So the enterprises that are going down this path, they're getting the benefit of cost savings and a lot, lot more bandwidth than they had previously. But often one of the things they're sacrificing is that you know the overused phrase of one throat to choke right. and one yeah. one entity that is singularly responsible for this that's often what they're giving up because mm-hmm. the problems shouldn't be too widespread but if they do happen then it's much harder to pin yeah, them down on a particular if your traffic is hard.
0: leaving your isp's network very shortly after leaving your office then you know that, yeah. it's not their problem yeah. and they can't do anything about it you know so.
1: and that's it yeah and there isn't there's still not a great uh, resolution mechanism there for these inter-provider mm-hmm. issues. The the monitoring piece is getting better, and there's great tools out there to show that end-to-end path performance and tracking that over time. And we've seen that in a lot of SD-WAN products now as well, being part of the, the sort of out of the box functionality that's there. What isn't there yet is sort of the operational resolution between the providers and pinpointing where these problems are happening and actually holding somebody accountable to get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And, that's often being solved through engineering by a lot of mm-hmm. enterprises. They just will over-provision. They'll they'll have you know, they'll double up on circuits from different providers. We've even seen clients that have gone down the path of deploying two parallel middle miles because mm-hmm. they were so cheap. Mm-hmm. They were saving right. seventy or eighty percent of what they're paying right. for MPLS. They're like, well, let's just put two in, and they go to two different providers and provision them in parallel because that means you know, the chances of a problem are pretty mm-hmm. slim. But they just wanted to take that out of the equation and. Be able to show to the business that we're not going into this with a single point of failure or extra points of vulnerability. Great. So even that, that type of what might seem like a just a, a overkill type option is actually cost effective in some cases, and it's it's achievable for many enterprises to take.
0: Yeah, yeah. That I mean, you know, the old throw bandwidth at the problem solution. When when that's yeah. when that's an available option, it's not a bad one, right? So, yeah, true. It's just yeah, it's not
1: necessarily a bad. It's thing, just yeah. a
0: question of when is that available, right? So we 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 can't all be in a place where there's enough uh, Netflix eyeballs to have uh, you know the providers uh, building out the appropriate amount of. Uh, uh, contention ratios and whatnot.
1: Right? So, that's that's true. Yeah. We see that with the, a lot of our clients. They're in you know, industrial fields, for example. They're way out in the middle of nowhere. So we do struggle with that with a lot of our mm-hmm. clients still, where their site profile doesn't necessarily map onto where these networks are really being built out. So you got to be far more creative with the underlay then to find the, the options that work and bond them together and things like that as well. Absolutely.
0: All right, so let's let's uh, shift gears here a little bit and, and kind of look forward, you know, sort of um, uh, thinking about uh, maybe somewhat like the, the SD-WAN revolution unfolded over the last few years, perhaps. Um, I think it's become pretty obvious now to a lot of multinational corporations why they might leave behind MPLS or at least minimize, you know, their, their reliance on MPLS, um, you know, it depends on, on their compute needs and their geography, of course, all those things. Um, but it, uh, internet then comes with its own whole, uh, set of issues as, as we've been discussing, right. So, you know, it, it's great to have new vendors, tools, options, um, uh, you know, all that, I'm wondering: Do you think we're getting farther away rather than closer to that sort of vaunted single pane of glass that has been the selling point from often the big telcos, uh, you know, over over the last few years? Or do you see sort of a lot of potential in in partnerships and interoperability, maybe on the MSP side, even perhaps of of orchestrating all of these different technologies? Because you might even Mix some of these solutions, not just SD WAN and a middle mile solution, but you might even mix some of these middle mile solutions, or like you said, have dual middle miles and all this sort of thing, right? Um, how how does that all get back to that idea of the single pane of glass? You know, you know, the enterprise mini knock on on the the win IT uh, manager's laptop wherever uh, she he or she goes, right? You
1: know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a challenge, isn't it? And it, it's very much a balancing act where if you, if you looked at where the, the majority of the the performance and cost benefits lie, they're pretty much as far away as you can get from the easy to manage single pane of glass mm-hmm. environment. So the, the two kind of are opposing forces there where in order to get really all of those benefits and maximize all of those benefits, you have to sacrifice some of that end-to-end uh, functionality, single pane of glass and so on. So I think there's, there's a challenge there because the better options from a a bunch of those different metrics perspectives are it's coming from that fragmentation mm-hmm. and breaking it apart and sourcing it from the different components. So that is definitely a factor that's in the minds I think of a lot of enterprises that are going down this path. However, the ones that the enterprises that tend to be the best fit for products like what we've spoken about today tend to be the ones where there's a level of that already happening. Mm, right. So they've done that at the edge perhaps already. They've maybe even started to go down that path with uh, security and start using uh, cloud-based web proxies and so on as uh, as a replacement for on-premises firewalls. And they're, over time, starting to move away from a single vendor being responsible for everything to one where they're finding the best options in each case. And that is, I think, a a general trend we can expect to see continue because you've still got that... um, The the traditional way of doing things very much in the minds of a lot of enterprises where the single end-to-end telco is going to be the the least flexible, highest cost option that they're in many cases trying to get away from. So they're knowingly going down into this path where they're uh, diverging and divesting the responsibility into more providers because they want to have the level of flexibility and cost savings that they want and so on. So it's happening knowingly from Mm -hmm. a lot of enterprises. I think the the MSPs and the systems integrators and other entities like that do have a role to play here because they can be the the glue to join it all back together again and then act as that abstraction layer between the enterprise where it all looks easy and simple. And then underneath that, you've got all of the complexity that needs to be managed. And I think that will continue to grow because the benefits are there if it's Mm -hmm. done well. Um, it's, It's not an easy thing to do, as we've seen firsthand across many different geographies and Delivering that back into something that looks coherent into the enterprise is a challenging thing to do. So I, I think you, you'll see more of it, but it'll happen really in a more cautious way because it's not something that the majority of MSPs around the world are able to pick up and, and turn into something effective for the enterprises. So that's very much the the backdrop that we see is that it's, it's going in that fragmented direction with some of these options to, to glue it back together. And as we said earlier, a lot of enterprises have already moved on from that idea that they can get a single SLA and a single point of accountability Mm -hmm. and they'll just engineer in the level of diversity instead. So I'd rather have two circuits from two different providers with SD-WAN bonding it together and different middle mile options then to connect back to my cloud infrastructure instead of some notional SLA that a single provider is giving me that says, I'll get a $200 credit at the end of the month.
0: That you can't get (laughs) anywhere. They're
1: they're open to that now, you can't get (laughs) anywhere, exactly. So there's a lot more willingness to just take that risk and and mitigate it through engineering as opposed to contracts than uh, than maybe there was previously.
0: I really liked your phrasing there. The the take the the fragmented uh, um, um, network and glue it back together. Right. So I might have to steal that one. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um. So so again, thinking ahead over the next few years. Um. Kind of like we've been watching again the SD WAN space over the past several years. How do you see that kind of vendor marketplace um uh, developing? Uh. You know, uh, an explosion of startups, or are things going to consolidate? You think? Um,
1: I think there's going to be a level of consolidation mm-hmm. and the the economics of operating a global backbone are are tricky mm-hmm. and especially when you've got the cloud providers really dominating the spend on the the underlying infrastructure there they're buying up the capacity they're really holding all the cards there in terms of how those deals get done for the the subsea cable systems and so on so as a a startup Middle mile provider, it's very difficult to be able to cost effectively manage that backbone and do all of the the telco esque things like capacity management and you know just ongoing upgrades to that backbone and so on. So it, it tends to lend itself well more to some of the more established players' skill sets and perhaps their scale and buying power as well mm-hmm. to be able to do that effectively. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an interesting opportunity in what happens to the the software that's running in those POPs. That's gonna be where the real value add for some of these startups is because the capacity is is a commodity and whoever can buy the commodity at the lowest rate is able to have an advantage over the competitors. Mm -hmm. So it's really gonna be about what happens in terms of the software stack at those POPs that are being operated. That's that's one thing I think we really really need to keep an eye on. The other one is how well the cloud providers themselves decide to make it play for this, this Uh, opportunity for the enterprise. And Mm -hmm. at the moment, there's a lot of opportunity there because they've got huge capacity on their backbones. They don't have the same mindset of treating the the backbone as a profit center the way the telcos do. So the capacity is quite cheap, but it's a very uh, convoluted way of actually buying that capacity and operating it as an enterprise on an ongoing basis. So if we see the cloud providers start to Come up with consumption models there where the, the billing is more predictable, or you can provision uh, capacity you know, based on throughput levels as opposed to consumed bytes over the over-the-wire type mm-hmm. levels, then I think that could be an interesting option for enterprises as well to start to go into that model where they can they can take a known IT budget of X amount per year and apply it to those types of services with a high level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And then you could start to see those offerings become quite interesting for enterprises. There's potential for that to happen already today, but it just requires a different mindset on the enterprise to deal with your per gigabyte bandwidth pricing as opposed to committed levels of capacity and understanding that the bill could quadruple from one month to the next, depending on things they can't necessarily control that easily. So that's, I think it's still quite in its early Mm -hmm. stages yet, but it'll be interesting to see how those models mature and what happens there. So I think that's going to be another dynamic to contend with, and then what happens in the in the MSP space as well? You know, what happens and do these providers get better at gluing these pieces together? Right. Do they get better at at finding the the ever changing best options out there and then delivering that optimized, unified piece of uh, network back to the enterprise? I think you could see some interesting uh, trends there as we progress.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it all kind of gets back to this issue that's, that's been on my mind for a little while now of uh, is is the WAN uh, disappearing in a certain sense, right? <laughs> um, uh,
1: we'll,
0: we'll, we'll deal with that some other time. Uh, just my, my last question is, um, you know, just f- have you seen growth uh, in interest in these types of vendors on the client side? How do you see that developing over the next uh, near term kind of a couple of years?
1: Yeah, we've seen huge growth in this, and and really, it's it's happened over the last, I would say, three mm-hmm. years, and the last year we've seen far more right. interest than we had even in the in the years previous to that. So, it's it's really being driven by the the success stories that are mm-hmm. out there in terms of cost savings and bandwidth uh, upgrades and so on that can be achieved. So, we're seeing a lot of enterprises uh, knowing that this should be on their radar and be something that they want to uh, to look at. Uh, we're so we're in the middle now of cost modeling and different scenario type planning with a lot of of clients and prospects around this because they they know the benefits are there but they want the like the roadmap to get there and the the blueprint to follow to actually execute on that so I think that's going to continue I think there's going to be a lot of interest and I think understanding and keeping up to date as we said earlier with the options mm-hmm. as they change and evolve over time that's going to be another really critical thing to keep track of as well because it's certainly not standing still. The picture changes from one month to the next and the price points change and the delivery models change. So it's a a complex space, Mm -hmm. but the benefits are definitely there for the enterprises that that latch onto it and and try to build projects around it. Yeah,
0: especially as as time goes on, much like with SD-WAN, you know, more standard billing models and, and go to market strategies will likely emerge, I imagine. And so they, you know, it's up up to those early adopters to kind of wrestle with all of this, and then and then things get kind of easier for the later adopters. How the cycle often goes, you know. That's it. Exactly. Excellent. Well, Kieran, this was a great conversation. It really brought a lot of clarity uh, uh, for me, and I'm sure for the listeners. Now, as a listener of the show, though, you know that I always like to wrap up with uh, with a little fun question here, and, and I'm still kind of stuck on on uh, the the COVID impact. Before before we start recording, we were talking about we we are uh, both parents of of elementary school age children who are now back in school, which has been a, a great a great re- respite from the how things have been for the past uh, <laughs> what is it uh, 14 months here. But other than that, what are, what are you sort of most looking forward to as we get closer and closer to sort of a, a return to normal? We'll see you here
1: well I'm uh, a long way from my original home right <laughs> yes, here. So, exactly. you know growing up in Ireland <laughs> yeah. my family over there and and just having spent my whole life traveling yeah. you know this mm-hmm. is the the longest I've gone with having every day in the same place doing mm-hmm. the same thing so I think we're our whole family is looking forward to taking a trip you know getting getting out of the country going somewhere spending spending a few weeks in yeah. Ireland or you know, getting back out to to the co-evolved team out in australia and mm-hmm. singapore and malaysia and so on so i miss doing that i miss uh being in front of people i miss you know the whiteboarding and sort of the interactive mm-hmm. side of things so that's probably the single biggest thing that i'm looking forward to is uh spending time in uh in some of those parts of the world again and you and i have had you know that's had me. the occasional yeah. beer in a, some exotic exactly. parts of the world for uh various events and so on so i'm hoping for some sort of a return to to normalcy of that over time and uh hopefully hopefully not too much further
0: yeah it's looking like that is on the horizon so let's you know let's make a plan let's let's grab a beer uh hopefully maybe it, it, within this calendar year fingers crossed so
1: fingers crossed yeah. absolutely looking forward excellent
0: to you. thank you so much karen roach just last thing uh how can anybody get in touch with you if they want to find out more about uh,
1: what you do at Coevolve sure absolutely so you can find us on co and i'm on twitter at Croach, and you can get me there so c-r-o-c-h-e So, yeah, thanks again for having me, Greg. My pleasure.
0: Thanks. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN forum. What is a WAN forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from telegeography related to the WAN Uh, Plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN Forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN Forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to wanforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN Forum events very soon. So you wanna make sure you bookmark that. That's wanforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.